Oh, luck in the stash. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, I'm very proud of it. You must have uh, must have been tough to get rid of all this other stuff, though, huh? <laughs> oh, it's been a long time since I've seen my chin, um, and I cannot wait to put it back behind the beard. What's up with the hairdo this season? <laughs> <laughs> if my hairline was actually better, it might actually suit me. But I don't think I'm giving John McEnroe a good name by people comparing me to him. Gotta ask you about I, this I need part. a new one. Yeah. <laughs> Fans know how much I love drinking coffee. Yeah, getting better every day, <laughs> Captain America thing. My mom has a couple of those mugs. So you played sevens as well? <laughs> oh, mate. I was like, uh, you only put me on for two minutes and then I'll come back off. I'm not built for sevens. I don't see the, the correlation between a, a cricket athlete and a rugby player. It just doesn't seem any connection there. Well, you must see my physical appearance, and I still look like a cricket athlete who's running around on a rugby pitch. So. And it appears by your social media that due to social distancing rules, the only way to serve beer is by throwing it and catching it. Yeah. <laughs> it comes across like it's super skillful. You have a, uh, a BPH. Yeah. What the heck is a BPH? Beers per hour. I always wanted to play overseas, but I didn't know how those connections were going to be made. It was pretty incredible. It was most games I got in. I was still working on Pacific time. So I would start work at like 5 p.m. Until 5 p.m., you know, I was a full-time rugby athlete, <laughs> which I was totally okay with. I'd never been to Italy. The place where I was living was insane. It was an island on the West Coast, right on the beach. You had rugby pitch, you had road, you had the beach. Yeah, it wasn't a bad lifestyle. Wow. We're, you know, walking around in France. And you're, you're playing rugby, you know, as your career. And, like, how amazing is that? Like, to, to think that you didn't even want to work, like, when I was 18. You know, I just wanted to go to school <laughs> and, and play football. That's all you wanted to do and eat McDonald's every day. And here I am now, you know, walking the streets of Lyon. Hearing USA chants during games and stuff was pretty cool. Were you able to cross the streets without getting swarmed by fans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still rugby. The USA, your first cap was versus Brazil. I actually came off like, literally came on, do a line on, and then they blew the whistle and oh. came on. <laughs> How'd your family feel about that Samoa game? Were they, who were they rooting for? As the family member and as the son, of course they were rooting for me, but I know in everyone's back of their mind they were going for Samoa, so... <laughs> yeah, the Samoa game was obviously a, a, a highlight of certainly my kicking career, and very few times on a rugby field that you've got the ability to kind of take control of the game through your action. Uh, quite literally putting points on the board. The professionalism of the guys that come into camp has been as good as anywhere I've worked with any team in the world. AJ's got a got a, a really level head. He's a, he's a fighter, he's a competitor. I mean, he's a, he's a feisty Irishman, make no mistake <laughs> about that. He will go into places where other flyers will run away from him. <laughs> David was just absolutely sensational in the build-up to Rugby World Cup. That first scrum we had against England in the fourth minute where he broke his ankle, he absolutely destroyed Dan Cole in that scrum. In fact, we got a penalty from it. For me, I've not really been in, in those massive atmospheres before. It was it was just, it was an experience. Just the aura that the World Cup has. So incredibly proud to have been part of that. But although the results didn't go our way, you know, it was just such a fantastic and awesome event to be a part of and such a great team to be a part of as well with USA Eagles. I mean, although it's the first first and, and possibly the only World Cup tournament I'll go to. It really, I think, has set the bar as to the way that sporting tournaments should be should be run and, you know, for the future. You know, I was really excited to see what this year's MLR would have produced by way of a national team. The year after, the year after the World Cup, right? 
where there's retirements and all that kind of stuff, what that really would look like. So I'm just hoping that, as I say, I can, I can be the best that I can be when playing for the US. By far, the best decision I've made in my rugby career. I've absolutely loved it, and I feel very blessed to be able to represent the US. I'm passionate about the USA and the USA rugby. I'm passionate about the MLR, and that's what I intend on finishing up. I don't plan on hanging up the boots anytime soon. So MLR is the missing ingredient. You know, it's very American, right? It's a centralized league, individual owner, very American. Those structures, that development is really going to be the difference. There's so many things in our favor at the moment, Bill, you know, in terms of being able to build a program. Missing out and playing Italy this year in the French Barbarians is a big deal. This year has been a really, really painful loss for us. We would have finished eight games. We would have finished eight tests already. That's 10 weeks of prep that's just gone. I struggled during the lockdown because I was just like, what's going on? There's going to be no rugby. Couldn't be bothered yet getting out and doing the fitness that needed to be done. And, and it showed when I got back into the squad, I was quite unfit. And then it affected my selection as well. I am never going to take crowds at grounds for granted now because it, it just made such a difference. Like, running out into the pitch and hearing like this, this roar. And, and it's a thousand people felt like genuinely five, 10,000 people, you know, reminds you of why, why you play the game in many aspects. Yeah. It's not for the training. Like, geez, I, I'm bored enough for training. I, I just didn't think I would see as many, this many USA players back, you know, in the UK when I was playing last time. So it makes it a bit more homey, like a club, club game back home. I hope to give some lively matches for people to watch and, you know, people feel proud that the four of us are over here still playing rugby, even though they can't. So we're just doing what we can for everyone who can't play right now. I got I, what I'd give to, to hit a ruck right now. I'm itching, itching for, for violence. I, I just can't, <laughs> I can't, I, can, I can't hold it in. So we'll see it. We'll see how I go. Barbarians. Was that option ever offered to you? No, it wasn't actually. And it would have been something I would have loved to have played in. Of course, I think anyone wants to be involved in that. So, so maybe, maybe I'll try and get fit for, for that. There'd <laughs> almost 40-year-old winger coming back and playing the Barbarians, I don't know. I was actually ready for the transition. I, I kind of come to terms with my rugby experience and the idea that sport's temporary and you can't make tackles for forever. If my mom and my wife have something to say about it, uh, there's no more boots. Yeah. Becoming a father and a family man is certainly the greatest role that I have. I look forward to, to jumping into that next stage of life as well.